Hello, this is Dr. Dillard, and thank you for joining us for our third episode of How Black People Lost Their Minds podcast. Today we'll be talking about torture and the colonist laws of divine morals and martial. And these are the law, looking back at how torture, first evidence of torture in mankind and how it migrated up until the colonists in Jamestown, Virginia, where the investors of the colonies instituted the laws of divine, moral, and martial in order to control the colonists. The laws of divine, moral, and martial were sadistic, brutal, and harsh punishment inflicted on the colonists and eventually on the forced unpaid workers when they came to Jamestown. These torturous practices was taken from the practices of those in the European Neolithic age, which began in the Caucasus Mountains 7,000 years ago. Methods of torture migrated through Europe, through the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Romans, and into Western Europe, finally being used in the colonies. The earliest evidence of human torture in other humans goes back as far as 7,000 years in the Neolithic age. Neoliths in the Caucasus Mountains broke the shins of humans and while they were dying, bashed their heads into little pieces. An anthropological analysis of the 7,000-year-old mass graves in the Caucasus Mountains showed that victims were murdered and deliberately mutilated. It was during the time when Europeans first began to farm. It's unclear whether social tensions were responsible for the terminations of the era. So far, Mass graves from this period were known to stem from armed conflicts. Researchers from the University of Basel and Mainz reported findings after analyzing the human remains of the mass grave and characterized it as a massacre site. Their results showed that the prehistoric attackers used unprecedented violence against their victims. The researchers examined and analyzed the bones and skeletons of at least 26 people mainly male, adults, and children, most of them displaying severe injuries. Besides various types of bone injuries caused by arrows, they also found many cases of massive damage to the head, faith, and teeth, some inflicted on the victims shortly before or after their death. In addition, the attackers broke the victims' legs, which pointed to torture and deliberate mutilation. Only a few female remains were found, indicating that women were not involved in the fighting and that they were possibly abducted by the attackers. The anthropologists believed the massacres was not a single incident, but it represented brutality those in the early European Neolithic period would inflict upon one another. The fact that the Neolithic massacre sites were also, loaded, were also located close to one another further underlines this conclusion. The scientists believe the goals of this massive and systemic violence may have been to wipe out entire communities. The research team was led by Professor Kurt Alt, former head of the Institute of Anthropology at the University of Mainz, and he also served as a guest lecturer at the University of Basel. Near the end of the period, European Neolith torture methods were passed down to their Syrians, Assyrian art depicted torture in great detail 
on the walls of their imperial palaces. They created tablets that showed every punishment or torture their army would or did carry out. They cut off the limbs, gouged out the eyes, and then left their victims to walk around in darkness. The tablets are a reminder of the Assyrians' brutality and torture. The Assyrians were proud of their mass executions. Their art showed how they punched the victim underneath their ribs with a large wooden spike. The victim's weight caused the spikes to protrude deeper and deeper into the body, leaving them to bleed to death. This was done after they captured a town to instill fear and terror into the rest of the population. For the Assyrian kings, it was a showcase of their power. As the migration from the Caucasus continued from Assyria into ancient Greece, a brutal and torturous method was used called the brazen bull. Anthropologists believe it was because the most cruel torture method ever invented. The brazen bull was made for Phalaris. He was a tyrant who lived in Sicily and he was known for his cruelty. As Diodorus Sicilius wrote, the bull was made entirely out of bronze in the size of a real bull. It was hollowed with a door on one side and had an acoustic apparatus that changed screams into the bellowing of a bull. The victim was locked into the bull and the fire was set under it and the victim was roasted to death by the burning metal. The creator of the device was Phirirus. Phirirus was an Athenian sculpture. He was also the first victim of the brazen bull. Phalaris used him as a guinea pig to assure that the tortured method worked. Later, during a citizen's riot to overthrow Phalaris, the citizens captured him and killed him with the brazen bull tortured method. The ancient Greeks also used an execution method of throwing a victim off a mountain. This execution involved pushing the convict over a deep and steep cliff. The convict would fall into a deep trench to their death. This form of execution was typically reserved for people who were convicted of religious or political crimes. Relatives were not allowed to bury the victim, which further added to the humiliation and disgrace brought upon them by the criminal. Torture and brutality eventually made its way into Rome. Its classical legal system was the basis of law in the Roman Empire. Roman law believed the only way you could be sure someone was guilty was to punish them until they confessed their crime. And the surest way to get them to tell the truth was to torture them until they did. In some jurisdictions in the Roman Empire, even if the accused person confessed, it was required to torture them anyway, just to make sure they said the same thing under torture. Sometimes, not only did they torture the accused, they also tortured the accuser. Another torture method used in Rome was to kill a donkey. They could open his belly and remove the contents. The accused was stripped naked and stuffed into the animal's belly. The belly was stitched closed, leaving only the accused head outside to prevent him from suffocating or prolong their suffering. Then the donkey's body was put in the sun to decompose, with the living victim inside being cooked by the heat. Maggots would crawl over the accused as vultures pecked at the animal's decaying flesh. Death came slowly for the victim, of course. 
The Roman Emperor Nero enjoyed torture and would have people buried alive. He saved this type of torture for punishing virgins who broke their vows of chastity. In one account, he forced himself on the priestess Robria. For her punishment, she was entombed inside a small cave and left to starve to death. Another torture used by Nero involved making the accused dig his own grave. After it was dug, a stake was set inside the grave. The accused was tied up and pushed into the grave. If his crime was minor, he would be pushed so that the stake pierced through his heart. Anyone convicted of a heinous crime was pushed so that the stake mortally wounded him. He was then left to die in excruciating pain and was buried alive. Ancient Romans loved a good crucifixion. One time it was a primary method used to torture and kill countless members of non-Roman citizens. Crucifixion didn't always involve nailing someone to the cross. Sometimes the victim was stripped naked, his head was covered, and he was tied down onto a cross or fork. He was then flogged sometime until he died. If the accused person was not supposed to die by flogging, the next course of action involved nailing his hands to the cross beam. Then he was raised onto a planted post and his feet was nailed to the post. He was then left there to die a slow death or his thighs might be broken so he could bleed to death quickly. In some cases, the accused might be hung upside down on the post. Other times, the executioner had the post driven through the accuser's private parts. Different executioners used different methods. There was no one-size-fit-all. Sir Thomas Gate introduced torture, brutality, and harsh treatment on the Jamestown colonists. Torture was the foundations of the legal blockades that prevented the forced and unpaid workers any opportunities. However, torture methods was used upon the European colonists long before the forced and unpaid workers came to America. There were no laws, per se, when the colony was first established. King James charters to the Virginia Company of London outlined the authority, rights, and privileges granted to the colonists, while also recognizing the authority of the English crown. It provided them the same rights and liberties as if they were living in England. It also established a representative form of government, which allowed them a right to have a say in local affairs. Under the new charter, dividends to be paid to investors included a grant of land, in addition to a share of any cash profits earned. But the company became more cash poor. Land was only made. Captain Christopher Newport headed the first colony in 1607. Newport wanted to ensure the settlers followed a strong work ethic and established guidelines and rules for interacting with the Native Americans. His laws included punishment of four offenses, labor duties, and provisions for community welfare. He sailed to England and returned to Virginia with a nine-ship flotilla. This represented the third supply of colonists to the colony. In 1610, Lord Delaware became governor, and along with Sir Thomas Gates and Sir Dale, they implemented a very harsh set of rules known as the Laws of Divine, Moral, and Martial to maintain discipline and order. It was not a legal code in the modern sense. No legislation created it, and no court enforced it. 
Gates was a military man. He had sailed with the likes of privateers, Sir Francis Drake and Captain Christopher Cayel, robbing gold and cargo from Portuguese and Spanish ships. He loved discipline and order. He thought that with all the challenges the colonists endured, teamwork and discipline was necessary. The rules of the laws of divine, moral, and martial were officially published and recorded by William Strachey in 1612. The laws provided sadistic, brutal, and harsh punishment for violations. The laws didn't recognize any of the principles of the English common law and didn't provide for jury trials, even though the Royal Charter specified that residents of the colony were entitled to all the rights of Englishmen. The legal hierarchy of those who could give out punishment was the Lord General, the Captain General, the Lieutenant General, and the Marshal. They wanted to ensure the settlers followed a strong work ethic as well as established guidelines for interacting with Native Americans. The law specified the responsibility of ministers and required every person to attend church twice every Sunday. The laws established procedures for the disposal of the property of colonists who died, regulated trade with the Indians, prohibited unnecessary killing of the livestock, required houses and bedding to be kept clean, and forbid it washing dirty clothes and cooking utensils or doing the necessities of nature within a quarter mile of the new water well, which had just been built. They also regulated the collection of debts and trading with men aboard ships, and they required tradesmen, cooks, laundry workers, and others to work at their jobs, and the men to be ready to defend the colony against any Indian raids. The laws ordered severe punishment for many offenses, such as driving a nail through the tongue for cursing or speaking disrespectfully of the clergy or company officials. It imposed whippings and other physical punishment for gambling, failing to attend church, fornication, adultery, unnecessarily killing livestock, or stealing agricultural implements or other people's crops. The list of crimes to be punished with death was long and included blasphemy, uttering treasonous words or words critical of the company, murder, sodomy, robbery, bearing false oath, bearing false witnesses, trading with the Indians without permission, cheating the company or the Cape merchant, who was the one who operated the company's storehouse, as well as trading with sailors without permission and sending goods out of the colony without permission. First and second offenses for crimes was punished by whipping or standing in the stocks or at the pillory. The pillory was a wooden frame with holes in the middle and on each side for the head and wrists or having the tongue bored through or the tongue cut out. A third offense for the same crime was death. They required every minister to read these laws and ordinances in the public square and in the assembly of the church congregation. The laws of divine morals and martial exhibited immense sadistic, brutal, and harsh punishments. Their beginning with the English started with their military, specifically the Royal Navy. The Royal Navy punishments included mask heading. That was making a sailor climb the mask and remain there in the wind and cold for a certain number of hours. They implemented the practice of caning, which was worse than mask heading. Caning was whipping a sailor on his back with a solid cane. 
it was used for less serious offenses and usually applied six to 12 strokes with a three and a half foot cane to boys, usually in front of the other boys and men on the ship. This practice of punishing an offender in front of their peers would be applied to the forced and unpaid workers when they came to the colony in 1619. The English practiced birching for serious offenses. This included giving an offender 12 to 24 strokes with a bundle of birch sticks in public. Birch sticks are usually hung in the steam of the ship's galley. The steam made them soft enough so knots could be tied in them. Some were also soaked in vinegar or salt water before they were used on the men. Flogging was one of the most brutal punishments, and sometimes it was used to kill a sailor. Sailors who committed major offenses would be tied to the mast and whipped with the cat of nine tails in front of the crew. The knots in the cat of nine tails ripped flesh from the sailors' backs. Sometimes these wounds became infected. To prevent the infections, salt was rubbed into the wounds after the flogging. This caused further severe pain. One of the worst acts of brutish punishments a sailor could receive was keel hauling. Keel hauling involved throwing a sailor over one side of the ship and dragging him underneath the ship to the other side. It also was used to kill sailors. For very serious offenses, they used hanging. They tied the hands and feet and put a noose around the neck. The noose hung over the horizontal yard arm that stretched across the mast. The other sailors would slowly pull him up into the air until he died from strangulation. Walking the plank is the most well-known punishment on the high seas used by the English to kill a man. It included blindfolding him and making him walk the plank until he fell into the sea, causing death by drowning. Sadistic and brutal torture was not only a military practice, it was also used in the English society. The cruelty and inhumanity of punishments was often used for retribution and deterrence rather than rehabilitation. Additionally, the social and cultural norms often condone harsh punishments as a means of maintaining order and control. Religion as well played a significant role in shaping the attitudes toward punishment. The belief in divine retribution for sins and the chosen punishment designated the severity of punishments that were used. The religious authorities chose certain punishments they felt would uphold moral order and stop sinful behavior. In the English society, they used the rack. It was a device designed specifically for extracting confessions. It was a torture device consisting of a rectangular frame with a roller at each end. The victim's arms and legs were stretched and tied to the rollers. By turning the rollers, the body was subjected to increased tension, causing extreme pain and potential dislocation or dismemberment of the body's joints. The exact origins of the rack are unclear, but some of the early mentions of its use were in ancient Greece. The rack was often used as a torture method to extract a confession, with the execution itself coming from another method. Nevertheless, victims could perish on the rack, and for those who did not, it was likely a far more painful precursor to the method of actual execution. The most infamous case of the rack's use in ancient Greek was associated with Herodotus. Herodotus was an arsonist who set fire to the second temple of Artemis in Ephesia in 356 B.C. 
he was tortured on Iraq to extract a confession, and subsequently he was executed. Torture was an investigative practice and sometimes was used behind closed doors. The English inherited and developed torture techniques of cruel and unusual punishments from the Malice Maleficarum in 1478. It was a treatise on witchcraft describing it and the punishment for accused witches. It merged criminal law and theology. The most common punishment in the Malice Maleficarum were pillaring for public shaming and marking by flogging, branding, cutting off noses and ears for theft, forgery, adultery, conniving, injury, and acts of non-lethal violence. These punishments was also used as an effective means of stopping the process of conversion and reversion to and from Catholicism to Protestantism and vice versa. When people are terrified, they tend to cling to the faith they have been brought up in. Both the Protestants and Catholics employed the same methods of terror, justifying them with Bible passages and following the procedures in their malice maleficarum. European punishments were more about making the offender physically or socially uncomfortable and sometimes just make them cripple than about confining or restraining them. English sadistic, brutal, and harsh torture methods were modeled from the European system of torture, which included hanging, crucifixion, impalement, mauling by beasts, beating people to death, and piercing the tongue with hot iron and breaking on the wheel. The Virginia Company of London had struggled to convince some people that Virginia was an acceptable place for the Englishman to live. Tales of an exceedingly strict regime under the laws of divine, moral, and martial were hurting the company's reputation. As a response to this, the Virginia Company created the Council of State and the General Assembly. The Council of State appointed advisors and the General Assembly elected burgesses to distribute power in the colony. This provided the investors and colonists a greater stake in the enterprise for which they had risked their lives. Strict enforcement of the code helped the company to restore order and discipline in the colony. In May 1623, responding to a petition sent to the king, a royal commission was created to investigate the Virginia Company of London. Royal commissioners arrived in Virginia, and on May 24th of that year, the Crown formally revoked the company's charter and assumed direct control of the Virginia colony. As a financial venture, the Virginia Company of London had failed. Yet despite so many lost investments and lost lives, the English settlement begun at Jamestown survived. Historians have long tried to connect the early history of the colony with the ideas of the Revolutionary War. One theory has suggested that the king's revocation of the company's charter was an act of tyranny. This concludes our third episode on how black people lost their minds. Please tune in for our next episode where we will hold a discussion on this episode with an invited guest. This is Dr. Dillard. And I thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast, How Black People Lost Their Minds. <laughs>